1983, an incredible movie called War Games hit the theaters. It was set at the height of the Cold War, and it centered around a high school student, played by Matthew Broderick, who unwittingly hacks into a military supercomputer while he is trying to search for new video games. And after starting the game of global thermonuclear war, he leads the supercomputer to activate the nation's nuclear arsenal in response to his simulated threat as he played for the Soviet Union in the game. Now, he and his girlfriend, played by Ali Sheedy, they have to find a way to alert the authorities to stop the onset of World War III. It's a fantastic movie, and it's incredibly far-fetched, and I understand that. But what most of us have never known is how close an actual computer glitch almost caused World War III. On September 26, 1983, Stanislav Petrov was working at his job monitoring, monitoring the Soviet early warning systems. And several sensors went off, indicating that the, that the United States had launched missiles toward them, which meant that it was Petrov's job to begin returning fire. But he was sensing something was amiss. So he was faced with an incredible decision. See, something like this had never happened before, obviously, but they were under the threat that it was always going to happen. Back in that time, if you weren't around, there was this threat that one day they could launch at us and we'd have to return fire or they believed that we would launch at them and they would return fire. And then if the first person to launch the missiles, it would create this, this incredible catastrophe. And so he was faced with this decision. It looks like the computers are telling us that they have launched their missiles at us. So do I strictly follow orders and tell my superiors, knowing the awful repercussions for the world that would undoubtedly unfold? Or do I delay telling them until I get more information? Now, he was weighing this potential for um, apocalyptic warfare against the profound personal repercussions if he was mistaken. Petrov made a decision to delay telling his supervisors. And eventually... The triggered sensors proved to be a false alarm, meaning that Petrov's decision to disobey his duty, a deliberate disavowal of his job, saved not just his country, but also the world. But in that moment, he was faced with an incredible decision. Do I return fire? Or do I risk everything and just wait a few more minutes? Now, today, we're starting a brand new series called I Choose. Now, I doubt we'll ever have to make the choice to launch missiles or not, but you and I are faced with choices every day. We shape and order our existence by the hundreds of decisions that we make every day. And most of these are, are kind of small and they don't really affect anything. I mean, how many of you kind of take the choice out of your hands when you go out to eat? I mean, you go to the same places and most often order the exact same thing. I mean, there's no choice to make because... After all, I mean, I've heard my wife say it multiple times, you know, why change up a good thing? I'm like, hey, why don't we get something brand new, something different? She's like, no, why change up a good thing? Whenever I come to this restaurant, this is the best thing, so I'm going to get it. I go, but you haven't tried anything else. And she's like, well, but why change when I know I like this? One of our good friends, uh, she, she doesn't change her restaurants, or if she does change her restaurants, she doesn't change a restaurant unless they order her favorite dish, or unless they, start, unless they have her favorite dish, chicken parm. She won't go to another restaurant unless they have chicken parm. So she may go to few, uh, you know, a few restaurants, but she only gets the same thing at every restaurant. Now, unless you have an allergy or a medical condition, uh, which you, which what you choose really does matter, what you choose up to that moment is not a big deal. I mean, for me, most nights I'm craving pizza. So I often choose pizza at night. I mean, maybe for you, it feels like an Arby's night. I don't know your story. But some choices like what we eat 
I mean, other than needing to work out a little longer to make up for the dessert or the, the, the copious amounts of pizza you had, for the most part, it doesn't really matter, at least in the long run. But some of our choices, I mean, you understand this and I understand this, that some of our choices are a little bit bigger and have more at stake for us. You know, questions like, where should I go to school? One of our daughters is working through that right now. She's just been accepted into a few universities and she's trying to figure out which one should I choose, especially now not actually having uh, the ability to visit the universities to see what they're really all about. And she's done virtual visits, but that doesn't really help. And so she's here right now facing this decision, where should I go to school? You know, some of the decisions that have more at stake are what should I do with my life? Or what should I do with this new stage of my life? Some of you are at the stage of life where, where uh, you're now kind of in that middle section of your, of your years. And you're like, what should I do with the rest of my life? You know, some of you, should I take that job? Should I invest in that? And see, we, the reason why this gives us pause is that we know that our decisions, each decision has different outcomes. I mean, we have good outcomes. I mean, you know, how many of you are sitting next to a good decision? I mean, if you are, let them know that. And some of our outcomes, though, we know that they're not so good. I mean, some of our greatest regrets are the results of some of our decisions. You know, but something like a bad haircut, it doesn't last very long. While others, like a tattoo, they last a little longer. And sadly, we aren't given the luxury of knowing the consequences of our decisions until after we make them. And often we're not given the luxury of seeing the lasting impact of our decisions until years down the road. We don't know how it's going to affect us or others years from now. Now, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you could, I, I know, I don't know if you would, but I know I would. I mean, if we could, what decision or decisions would you go back and change? Like, would you go back and shake the selfishness out of your the mid-20s you or like, like, like your parents did to you and I did to my kids, that we physically, physically grab the head of the child and turn it in a different direction. Like, what would you do if you could go back? I mean, who you are and where you are in life is largely because of the results of the decisions that you made before today. Like, where you are today and what you're involved with today, and I know it doesn't all um, um, because of you, but where you are is largely the result of decisions that you made before today. And who you are and where you will be is largely going to be influenced by the choices that you make from this day going forward. See, our choices matter. And while we can't change our actions in the past, we can take care to make the wise choice today for our future. Now, the Apostle Paul, knowing this principle, wrote to a church that he planted in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a large international metropolis filled with people from different backgrounds. Idol worship to gods such as Aphrodite was a particular prominent event in the cities. But Corinth had more temptations far beyond the temples. In a sense, Corinth was very much like a modern uh, urban area containing unending opportunities to engage in sinful behavior without any apparent consequences. See, Paul had a burden for this young church because the people that had their lives radically transformed by the power of the gospel of Jesus, they were struggling. They were struggling to know how to live this new life, this brand new life in Jesus in a difficult and opposing culture. And as many, and as a result, many of them were failing. And as a result, many of them, they were experiencing the consequences of choosing to live out their faith with the same values and principles and sins that they had been doing before they met Christ. 
And so Paul was writing to them. After hearing what was going on in their churches, he wrote them to teach them, to encourage them, and, and even to rebuke them. And see, he does it by contrasting two different paths. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and 25, he writes this, Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. See, he's contrasting two paths, and he's saying that both paths take dedication and determination. Both paths have prizes, but through this, Paul reminds them that only one path has a prize that won't fade or grow old. See, if we were to take Paul's inspired writing and kind of translate them into a modern-day vernacular, he's telling them and he would be telling us is that we have it all wrong. We've made the goal of our lives the wrong thing. We've made it getting the girl or the successful job, the big house, the luxury retirement, the perfect kids and perfect family. And we've made our goal the non-committal and comfortable life. Now, if that's you, he's saying that you chose poorly. You have chosen poorly. That you will receive a prize. If, if that's your goal, if that's your win, you will receive a prize. And that prize might be the financial freedom that you want. It might be the dream job. It might be the perfect house. It might be the perfect and wonderful family. It might be the safe and predictable life. But understand that if as a Christ follower, that's your goal, if that's your finish line, you will get the praise of people. But eventually, it will fade away. And at the end of your life, you won't be wishing you had more time with your money or your job. But you will be wishing you had more chances and more opportunities to make a difference for God. See, the way that you run your race, the choices you make, will make a difference. They'll either make a temporal difference or they can make an eternal difference. In high school, I had to read uh, poems. I mean, we all had to read poems, and that was one of the reasons why I wasn't a big fan of English class. In fact, I wasn't a fan of a lot of classes in my school other than social stuff and gym and like, like eating like my lunch class, but it wasn't a class, my lunch. But obviously having to take English, and in the States where I grew up, I mean, poems were a big part of that particular English class that I remember. And I don't remember a lot of them, but I do remember one. It's a poem by Robert Frost. Now, I'm going to spare you reading the entire poem because I, I don't read poems well. But at the very end of the poem, this phrase stuck with me. And I remember reading it as a kid because I was kind of struggling in my faith at that time. I had just become a Christian and I was trying to figure out how am I going to live this life in my culture? I mean, I was really struggling because I was kind of living both sides of the fence. I was uh, walking with certain friends on the weekends and walking with other friends during the week, and I was really struggling. And I thought I was doing okay. I, I didn't know I was, I mean, I didn't know I was really struggling because I thought maybe this is how you do it. You just kind of play both sides. And then I remember reading this poem, and at the very end of it, it, it says this, I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I 
I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Now, I don't claim to understand Robert Frost's idea behind this poem. I just learned that life has different paths. And the path I choose makes all the difference in my life. And it was in that time in my early Christianity that I realized that I had to make some choices. I can't have both paths, but I have to choose one. And over the next few weeks in this series, we're going to look at some of the key choices that we as followers of Christ need to make in our lives. I mean, if our goal is uh, to, to get the temporal prize, then fine, and you can make one of these other choices. But if your goal is to have an eternal prize, it, that's, it's going to make our choices a little different. So here's our choices that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. That we need to choose discipline over regret, purpose over approval, surrender over control, the important over the urgent, and we need to choose mercy over judgment. And depending on the path you choose, it will make all the difference in your relationship with your family, in your relationship with your friends, in your neighborhood, in our city, and it will definitely make a difference in our relationship with God. The choice we make as a Christian, the choices we make as Christians matters. And you and I, we're writing the story of our lives one decision at a time. So the choice is up to you. In the end, what is your story going to say? We love you and we are so thankful that uh, you are a part of our family. And we'll be praying for you as, uh, you, in, as you as you continue on this week. May God continue to bless you and protect you. And shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May he continue to show you his favor and give you his peace. And give you wisdom to make the wise choice 